This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris well, here we are. We're back. I know you're probably expecting a big update on the radio show here today, but you're not going to get that. You know why? Well, because I haven't done the radio show yet. The radio show is at 1,600 hours later today. It's 09 on Monday morning here today. I don't normally record this uh, time of day. I usually record later at night, the night before. Typically, not always. That's not happening today. Why is that? Well, I wanted to make sure that I got the podcast done. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do it when I get back. When I get back tonight, I'm expecting I'm going to be tied up down there potentially. Maybe a little um, after event or something like that. I can't go too long. I got a busy week ahead of me. But, you know, it could run late. And I promised you that I would have the podcast. So let me give you a little update. Well, I didn't promise. I said I would try to get back. Here I am. Here I am committed to that. I don't want to trade one for the other. And I've seen that happen. I mean, we'll see what happens. There's going to be changes, but I don't want it to be too dramatic. In the meantime, I put a lot of work into this podcast. I'm not going to let it drift. You know what I'm saying? So I, I get up this morning. I wake up a little late, which was a little surprising, not completely surprising because I was up late. But otherwise, I kind of expected I'd be up early. I wake up early. I wake up and I'm tired. And it's just a lot to consume over the past week and weekend and things going on. I was tired, tired. And uh, I wake up, but as soon as I as soon as soon I woke up a little bit, I was wide awake. Today's the day. <laughs> We're going to Disney. So, of course, I couldn't go back to sleep. I get up, kind of schluff around, which I don't like to do in the morning. Had a little coffee. Got myself going, and I thought, let me get the podcast done. I got some things to talk about. Um, but let me just tell you, leading up to this, so I'm ready to go for the radio show, as ready to go as I can be. Probably overly prepared, if anything. That's good, Good, I guess. I've got a good good lineup for the first show. i got plenty of leads on interviews to come back week after week. I expect it to be a great show. So that's all good. Lo and behold, and I get a little nervous. It doesn't feel nervous. Like, I don't outwardly, if you ask me if I'm nervous, I'm like, nah, but something's going on. You know, it's like a little tickle in my tummy. <laughs> you just start to get excited, I guess. So I got to contain all that. That's part of the management process here. It's really just funny. You know, I've been down there many times. This is not a new endeavor. I've broadcasted plenty of times. But our minds are funny things. In the back of my mind, I keep thinking, what could go wrong? Because that's what you want to focus on, everything that could go wrong. Not really. I think we're going to knock it out. I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready to go. Let me mention this to you. I've been talking to some people close to me about how I want to roll this out, what I want to do with it, and you know, preservation, preserving American values, particularly our Constitution, is a big part of it, and not selling my soul is just as big of a part of it. What do I mean by that? I really don't want to do any social media with this thing. That gives up a lot right there. Like, that's like tying one hand behind my back in terms of getting this out there. I've got a different plan, and I'm going to rely on veterans to do it. That's the the beauty of the interviews and getting people on, and we're going to stick with uh, AM radio stations. 
is, is the guy. I don't want to go to any big networks. I don't want to be on. Um, I'm I'm not. I'm very much on the fence whether it'll even go out on YouTube. Sorry, you know, if you want the good stuff, um, you know, you're not going to get it in the in the murky waters, so to speak, with the sharks. You know, we're going to have our own whatever. I'm not going to keep speaking in these whatever. You know what I'm saying. We're going to set ourselves apart. That's the idea. I you know, I'm not draw, drawing any hard lines right now. But lo and behold, I thought you know. We need to preserve AM radio deeply. Like, the podcasts are great, but it's not the same as the radio and the call-in was back in the day. And I think that we need to get better at the old-school way of doing it. For example, actually taking the calls. Have you ever called into one of these shows any kind of recently? I mean, you can sit there for two hours and never get on. They won't tell you. It's horrible. I don't even bother because it's just a waste of time, really. I listened to the announcing, the way the calls are handled. I was critical of Michael Savage years ago. People would call in and he'd, you know, start berating them. I don't, I, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> you're inviting people on here and you don't agree with me. All right. I don't agree with you. I don't know where you come up with that. Thanks for calling. I mean, some kind of basic etiquette. And not because it's like I'm concerned about feelings or any of that. It's just who's going to call in to be treated like a jerk? I'm not going to do that. Oh, let me wait there for two hours. Maybe I'll get on. And then when I do, you're going to tell me what an idiot I am. No, thanks. No wonder nobody's calling in. I bet you people would like to be heard heard from. And also a little bit longer format. You know, so the announcer, what would you like to say? Well, why don't you, you know, help them out a little bit? You're the announcer. Anyway, these are some of my ideas. And I want to bring back the integrity of that. God willing, we'll see what happens. There was a company that made buggy whips one time. And they're not around anymore because they couldn't change with the times. But times are changing, even with podcasts. Podcast listens are down, down, down. Why? Why would that be? Because they suck. I've told you, if you go through the you know, 200,000 podcasts on there, there's three good ones, this one being one of them. Apple quietly tightening as it's reporting on how many people listen to podcasts. I don't even know. Sending shockwaves through an embattled auto industry still reeling from the end of the COVID area. Production bubble. There was so much podcasting that went on. The shift Apple wrote in a blog post was technical. Listen to this. The dominant podcast, Apple podcast is by far the dominant. The dominant podcasting platform had begun switching off automatic downloads for users who have not listened to five episodes in the past two weeks. I saw this. They, they don't know who listens and who doesn't. Okay. And I could tell by the patterns. I'm thinking, and I just, it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down, never steady. Why would that be? Because I don't listen to my podcast very often. If I go onto my iPhone and I listen to my podcast to my app, it's going to download all the episodes there to bring it current. I'm not going back and listening to all those. So who knows what the real numbers are? Well, a few users noticed the shift. Some of the biggest podcasts in the world saw their official listener numbers drop dramatically. I've been saying this for years. All these numbers are fake, 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 fake. Long-running shows that publish frequently were hit particularly hard. Now I know why. Maybe we have real numbers on there. Uh, a user who listened to the show like New York Times a Daily a few times subscribed but stopped listening would continue to count as a download indefinitely. I've seen this. Even better, under the old rules, for people who listened to a show, dropped off for a while, 
but started listening again later. This is what I'm saying. Apple would automatically download every show in between. The arrangement drove big download numbers, a crucial metric for ad sales, and a sign of the vast reach of podcasts as a medium. But the advertisers are realizing that it's not reaching people. The Daily and Dateline both publicly touted reaching over a billion total downloads, but representatives for those shows would not say if those numbers or other impressive daily or weekly download stats are still accurate. They're not. They're not at all. Podcasters are keeping quiet on the falling audience metrics. I haven't. None of the publishers of Apple's top 10 podcasts last year would comment on the change. I guess I'm not one of the top 10. Apple has promoted the move as the natural evolution of the podcast product. No kidding. It should have never been um, been that way in the first place. Um, one early loser, however, seems to be the uh, subscription podcast business. Apple has privately acknowledged that some podcasters that it had accidentally included unlistened bonus episodes and segments in its automatic download count. The whole thing was just fake, like everything else. The download numbers are not real. I knew it. I told you. When you start seeing the real numbers of interest, such as on a place like Gab, uh, even Twitter I don't think is really reporting. It's just not that many people seeing this stuff. So podcasts are shrinking. Uh, They've made it harder and harder to get podcasts out. You know, it's turned into a liability because you don't know what some, you know, loony uh, right-wing conservative is going to say on there without anybody watching and paying attention. I don't know. I'm going to work on the AM radio route, and we'll see what happens. I think that the bottom line in all this is people are looking for quality, honesty, integrity. That's it. We'll see. Wish me luck. Today's the day. We launch a new endeavor, God willing. I ask myself, what have I, what have I got myself into? I could have been enjoying a nice, quiet day doing, like, next to nothing. Instead, I'm running around like a lunatic all on edge, but in a good way. You know what I'm saying? We're going to get it on today. I'm looking forward to it. It's a big day. All right, what else is going on? A 101-year-old Purple Heart recipient celebrates his birthday at Hooters. This whole Hooters thing, let me pull this up here. Army guy, I would imagine. Good-looking guy for 101. He's got his arms around these two young ladies. And they've got uh, a little cleavage show in there. The veteran didn't know there was a restaurant where he could see beautiful women until his niece took him to Hooters. Isn't that nice? Um, let's see if we can find out this guy here. What is uh, U.S. Army veteran, Purple Heart recipient, Harry Perez. 100th birthday was coming up last year. And he was not sure how he wanted to celebrate. He ends up at Hooters. Well, a couple things about this. Um, I don't want to go to Hooters for any birthday, let alone my 101-year or 100-year birthday. It's a little confusing here. I guess he's earned it, you could say. I don't know. I don't really. To me, I ask a simple question. Would you want your daughter working at Hooters? I would not put my daughter into that. They say it's a family restaurant, and... um, I don't know. I just don't see a family environment as a bunch of strange men sitting around looking at my daughter's uh, cleavage hanging out. Just not my, just not really my kind of thing, I guess. I've never really been a fan of Hooters for a lot of different reasons. No disrespect to the girls or the store or anything like that. 
I just don't think it's a proper mix of, of food and other endeavors, if you know what I'm saying. I find it a little off-putting. Uh, but, hey, it's not for everybody, right? God bless him. He's 100 years old. I guess he can do whatever he wants. But, um, yeah, I've never really been into Hooters. Even since I was young, I was like, well, this is kind of weird to me. The, the girls wear low-cut shirts, and that's an attraction. And I don't know. <laughs> And then I feel bad for some of the girls. I just do. I, I like. I don't like to be. I like they're being, they're being forced to parade around like that. It just doesn't. I don't know. Anybody else? Am I crazy? Tell me. Maybe I just since I have a daughter. So then there's this story. Maybe you heard about it. This is great news for the American military. Uh, Miss Colorado makes history uh, as the first ever Air Force pilot, Air Force officer age 22, training to be a top gun fighter pilot after graduating from Harvard. Uh, she's won the uh, Miss America contest. Something seems a little off here. I didn't realize she went to Harvard. This almost seems like a um, fabricated uh, type situation here. Um, but, you know, she's uh, tall, blonde, uh, brown eyes. I wonder if there's any liberals with, with blue eyes. 22 years old. She looks quite a bit older, if you ask me. I don't think she looks 22. She got her learned to fly and got her pilot's license at 17 years old. That's when I joined the Marine Corps. Very impressive, really. Uh, she's a go-getter for sure, right? Um, I don't know. It's funny. That I guess the things of beauty have changed a little bit. She looks like she could be uh, Russian or something like that. Scandinavian, maybe. Um, anyway, very pretty young lady and has earned this very uh, prestigious honor now. Um, now she's going to be a hardcore officer, and uh, she's also a beauty pageant queen. It's really amazing the difference looking at her without makeup and so forth. I don't mean to be rude, but there's quite a big difference uh, seeing her. And she looks like an average person in her uniform here. Um, and then as opposed to the Miss America pageant, pretty uh, pretty crazy really what, what makeup and hairstyle and so forth can do to change the look. Anyway, uh, I saw all this and I thought, wow, the Air Force must be, um, you know, very, very happy about this. And uh, I have to imagine that this will do wonders for their recruiting efforts, maybe. I mean, if you're going to have the choice of joining the Marine Corps and going that route, what would you do? Would you go to the Air Force or Miss America's there? Some schlup's going to join the Air Force in hopes to get to know her or get to see her and never even get close, you know what I mean? Never even be on the same base. I'll have to ask my son if he's ever met her. Maybe he'll call in air support. She'll be the fighter pilot. Hey, Miss America, we need bombs dropped. At, and they'll call in the coordinates there. All right. Um, I want to talk about two other things. We're going to keep it kind of short today. No big surprise. Tulsi Gabbard. Remember her? The uh, Democrat. Let's see if we can... Um, uh, Jordan, this is yet another example of how far... President Joe Biden's politicized Department of Justice is willing to go to try to destroy his main political opponent as a presidential election is going on. Uh, So she comes out with this heartfelt plea that, um, you know, Joe Biden's misuse of the Justice Department and going after political opponents. Now, remember, you know, she's run for political office. She's held political office. Um, I I was thinking about her voice a little bit. I don't know where this lady came from either. 
And uh, she's another one. That voice is a little uh, suspect. This foundational purpose of what the Biden administration is doing is is really the thing that should be most concerning to every everyone. As we can see, all of these indictments, count after count after count, being thrown at former President Donald Trump uh, is clearly an effort to, to divert his focus away from the campaign and towards fighting on multiple fronts in these lawsuits and to completely drain his, him and his campaign of of resources so that they can't focus on, on actually campaigning and trying to win this election. The, the founders envisioned that our country would be a country of laws, not of men. And what we're seeing here, uh, most concerning as it relates to the First Amendment, but, but you take all of these different attacks and indictments uh, in whole, what we're seeing is a politicized Department of Justice that has disqualified itself from being able to fulfill the awesome responsibility that they're entrusted with because they are using it, first of all, to go after their political opponents, namely Donald Trump and his supporters, and also using the Department of Justice to protect the Democrat elite, namely President Joe Biden, by extension, uh, Hunter Biden. So we're seeing how this politicized Department of Justice is being used to achieve both of those purposes, both of which harm the American people's interests, the interests of our country and our democracy. So, very nice, Tulsi Gabbard. She comes out, the Democrat or former Democrat, um, and she's speaking on behalf of President Trump and the First Amendment and the people's right to make a choice. And uh, I think that's great. I think it's really great. We need to hear more of that. I'm not sure why she's being so peaceful about it. Right? It's like, well, you know, they really shouldn't do that. It's bad that they're doing that. There's no fight there. And I brought this up with a lot of people in politics. Um, I see it with RFK Jr., great guy, very articulate. Uh, Vivek, you know, always has the right words at his fingertip. He's got the, you know, smooth talker. He can make a point. Nobody backs him into a corner. Great stuff. Where are the fighters? Where are the people that are going to stand up and say, you know what? You've done some bad, bad things here, and we're going to hold you accountable. Where is that? Well, then this whole twisted story of Tulsi Gabbard, and these stories crack me up, right? Tulsi Gabbard, she's an attractive female, and for some reason the the Republican Party just seems to have a soft spot for that, which I guess you say is good, right? Republican women more attractive. You know, it's like the the, the, the Democrat women sometimes uh, with the lesbians and the, uh, the hatred and the anger and the the butch, and it's like, oh, my God, where did this crew come from? But the Republicans, it goes the other way. A pretty face comes along. It's, oh, whatever you want. So now, where am I going with that? People are asking, saying that Tulsi Gabbard should be Trump's pick for VP. And I say to myself, are you kidding me? First of all, why is everybody latched onto this idea that it has to be a woman? And why does it have to be a woman? Why at all? Why has that condition been placed? I thought the whole thing, you remember this whole story going around with the FAA, where they're, with their uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, they're actually trying to hire people with psychological disorders. Now, by the way, I think this is all misinformation, too. Uh, Fox News is putting it out. They say, wow, the FAA, they're, they're hiring, they're looking to diversify. Can you be, be kidding me? Well, they're not telling you what jobs they're hiring for. They didn't say that the FAA was looking for psychologically deranged pilots. You know, the, the, both sides of the media exaggerate stuff to the nth degree. 
because they say, well, in the FAA, we still need to have, you know, diversify. And so because somebody's mentally ill, they may not qualify to, to fly a plane, but they can still cl- take out the trash. Now, I'm not saying that this is right. I'm not saying it should be the way we hire really for much of anything, I guess. Although I am for guaranteed jobs programs as kind of a separate program. But for any business, why would you lower your, well, we're going to hire people that aren't quite as good as we could get. And why would you do that? It's not how the world works. Anyway, why do we put this condition that the VP has to be a woman? I find it um, stupid to the nth degree. Why has Trump done this? Obviously because he feels that either he'd be rather work with a woman, I can't believe that's the case, or he feels that there's some kind of political benefit. What political benefit? I don't care. I find it to be very disingenuous. As a matter of fact, that this is the first talk of him becoming, well, here we go again. You know, the biggest problem that we had with Trump was his poor choice of people. Maybe we need to talk about that a little bit more. I want to get the behind the guy, too. But I don't get behind this move, that it's got to be a female. And then we're going to bring in a Democrat? Are you out of your mind? How many good conservative women out there that have been fighting hard? The woman that I, I spoke to on Friday down in Delaware County, her and her husband, fighting for election integrity. How about her? Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard, they want to parade her all over Fox News, or wherever she was here. You know, oh, the First Amendment, we need to fight. She's fighting for the political parties. That's all. That's all she's doing. Fighting for us. Where does Tulsi Gabbard stand on the Second Amendment? That's what I want to know. Where's Tulsi Gabbard? I think she did, but where's why isn't she bringing up the Afghanistan withdrawal and hammering Biden on that? The needless death of United States Marines because of his incompetence. How much damage has it done to the military? Why isn't she talking about that? Why isn't she screaming bloody murder? Hey, Biden, we've gone to foreign countries to straighten this crap out. We'll do it here, too. She's never going to do it. Why? Because she's got no fight. Just like that Mike Pence. And I was fooled, too. You listen to the podcast. I said, oh, I thought Mike Pence. I really thought he would be a great president. I was like, wow, this would be, this would be great for the history of the country. We get Trump in here. And then, uh, you know, we get, we get eight years of Trump, maybe four, eight years of Pence and Republican control. And I thought maybe it really be a good opportunity to turn the country around foundationally. Well, the Democrats, they brought their A game, they brought the fight, and Pence wet his pants and ran home. All a lie. You think Tulsi Gabbard's going to be the one to stand up to the Secret Service, to, to the generals, and say, screw you, we're not doing that? I don't know what constitution you're reading, but we're not doing that? She's not going to be the one. I don't get it. Why? Because she has a pretty face. Everybody, oh... She didn't even sound like a woman. Listen to the voice. I'm not trying to be rude, but, you know, what is everybody cheering for here? I'm not even trying to knock Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard. I think she's fine. I got no problem with her. You know, she was a, a Democrat. Now she's a Republican. Where is she making her money? That's what we ought to really Who's paying her? How's she getting on Fox News? I don't know. It's going to be an interesting election. Biden and his regime showing no signs of letting up on the uh, legal attacks on Trump. Is this going to become the new way that legal uh, that po- po- political races are engaged? Going to get into a legal fight? Good God. 
Look at what you're taking on to get into a political office. It's ridiculous. The whole election system is a mess. The more you see, the more we learn. It's a complete disaster. It needs an overhaul. And not the John Lewis voting act that, that Kamala Harris is pushing. Good God. We don't want government to fix it. You can't have government fix it. If government gets involved, you can guarantee it'll be destroyed. We need a, a group of citizens who care about election integrity to get together and, and fix this problem. Get states where it's perfectly legal for illegal aliens to vote. As I'm getting more and more details, uh, I was just reading a, an article our buddy Dan sent me about what uh, was going on down in North Carolina, I guess it was, with uh, transient people that you know, don't live there coming in. But that's brutal, too. You know, I'm lucky here where we live. This is a very much owner-occupied, and it makes all the difference in the world. If you get, if you live in an area with a lot of rentals, it is brutal. Airbnb did so much to, to destroy neighborhoods. It really did. Group homes were right behind it. We need to preserve that single-family zoning for home ownership only. You know, you'll get, um, this is where we, when we lived in town, you know, the, the cost of living is much lower. I thought about it too. You move out and you, you keep the house and you rent it. It's a nice deal because, look, I, when I moved out, I almost had the thing paid off. I could have done this. I wanted the cash. So I keep telling you I'm not into, I needed the money. What can I tell you? I still need cash. I still like cash. Not everybody does. I do. <laughs> I don't want equity. I want cash. Uh, we needed it for the move and everything, so we sold it. Um, but we could have kept it as a rental, and it's a nice hedge on your bet. And you say, you know, you move into the new house, things don't work out, you move back into the starter home. I stayed in my starter home for 20-some years. It was too cheap. I didn't want to live. leave. It was too easy, you know. I took the easy way out. Finally, my wife said, buy me a new house, you schlub. I said, okay. No, that's not how it went at all. We're very happy with the move, though, I'll tell you that. But uh, but either way, uh, these areas that get turned over for rentals, the transient, and it's just not the same. And if you live like a resort town would be another example, right? If you live, uh, I got a, a buddy from high school who lives down in Hilton Head, South Carolina. That's a resort town. When all the resort people come in, it, it destroys the place for them. And then the, the, those property owners down there, they have rights too. They say, well, wait a minute, I pay taxes, not just you. And so they have a vote in decisions that are made, but they only live there part of the time. And so they have a much different perspective on things. It can be really maddening in those situations. you got to be very careful of that stuff. Let me leave you with this little story, switching gears for a second. I'll use this as an opportunity to plug my new book, Victory Over Chaos, the United States Marines Battle at Kafchi. You can get more information at projectchaos.org. ProjectChaos.org. I'm launching a new radio show. If you haven't heard, that's happening today. If I didn't mention that, I'm very excited. And um, the new book will be out by about March, I'm expecting. Please go to the website, uh, ProjectChaos.org, O-R-G, and uh, put your email address in there, please. I want to build that email list. Any veterans that you know, uh, tell them to go there and sign up. I'll be announcing when the book comes out. And when the, when the radio show is available as a podcast, I'll have that available as well. Uh, I'm really very much looking forward to it. Why do I bring that up now? Well, I want to mention the story. This story says that your job 
may disappear altogether, um, but that AI will be impacting your job. It'll impact 60% of all jobs out there. Um, listen, uh, fear not. I, I use AI every day. All right, you've heard me talking about it. Uh, it is not at all what you think. Now, there are far more advanced things that you know AI can learn and train on that I'm not familiar with. You know, they're doing incredible things with it. But as far as the the, the little uh, AI that they're allowing us to play with to you know write paragraphs and stuff like that, I find that as a good editing tool, almost as a writing assistant. I wrote the book Victory Over Chaos. And I outlined it, and then I dictated the bulk of my thoughts. Some of it I typed, but most of it I dictated. When I did that, I went into AI to use it to clean up the spelling and the grammar, as well as some other things. But it was my own work. I just used the AI to help clean it up because I can't spell it like a third-grade level. I need help with these kinds of things. Grammar just isn't my thing. Spell check, of course, is great, but the grammar is a little differently. Here's the point. With the assistance of AI as a writing assistant, I wrote the book very quickly. I then took some time because I had it to adjust and revise and edit and make it longer, which I did. And I'm very excited about the story and the book. It's like no other. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. But here's my point. I did the final editing with AI. And I was actually at the point where I wasn't even going to order editing. These things are expensive. You know, you don't just hire an editor and they, you know, show up for free. I gave it some serious consideration. I thought, nah, I better send it to the editor. Here's the part that surprised me and my point with all this. I couldn't, there was more edits than the other books that I wrote without AI. I'm not kidding you. How could that be? How could that possibly be that AI and simple spelling and, and grammar and things like that, that it, would, it could, can't even handle that? Let that just be an indication to you of how poorly equipped AI is exactly. It's very, very helpful. I explain it like this. AI is not like self-driving cars for computers. AI is like having a backup camera or uh, lane assistance or the brake warning when you're too close to the car in front of you. But it's not an automatic driver. It's not going to take over the world. Trust me when I tell you. I've been saying for a long time, you will never replicate the human imagination. It cannot be done. They're not even close. There's no self-driving cars, and there won't likely be any. Not in the way that you think. And I I think there are ways to solve the problem, essentially, with creating a track, new roadways that operate differently. I'm not going to get into it. But you're never going to have self-driving cars that take over the way that we do. The lenses lack depth perception. And they've come up with creative ways to get around some of that. It's still not very reliable. Still not reliable like a human driver. Now, how great that you could be driving down the road and say, AI, take the wheel for a minute. I need to whatever. Pull my sweatshirt off or take a call. Whatever the case might be. Huge help. But it's not going to take the wheel. And AI is not going to take the wheel of our lives. So stop. Everybody's, the robot takeover. Remember Y2K? 
Everybody was freaking out then. You know what happened? Nothing. I'll say it. I've said it a million times. You want to cure your obsession with the AI takeover and the computer takeover? Get outside. Go out there for an hour. You'll forget about the whole thing. We were out there yesterday. My brother Mike from Kokomo was down last night ripping off arrows with the 55-pound recurve. I'm a little sore. Can you believe it? We were drilling them in there. Get outside. Life will be better all around. I promise you that. God willing, I'll be back tomorrow, hopefully with some great stories of the radio show, maybe a few others. I'll see you there. Make it a great day. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.